Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. People of the US, great news. The Formula One Circus is coming to Miami this weekend and we've got everything you need to know on P1 with Matt and Tommy, the Formula One podcast from Stack. It doesn't matter if you're an F1 veteran or hardly watch a race. If you want a fun breakdown of the biggest stories from this weekend's race, we've got you covered. Join us for previews and reaction episodes from practice, qualifying and the race itself, plus our full Driver Rankings podcast early next week. You'll be armed with enough info to make you look like a bona fide expert when the race rolls back around next year, or at least when you see your friends next week. Search P1 with Matt and Tommy in your podcast app to subscribe and listen now. 
the most pressure of all time. Um, it really but is. <laughs> look, we're going to strap in. We're going to have fun. Uh, and also, I mean, it, look, if there is another lockdown, if there's another horrendous virus that goes about, <laughs> one thing you can look forward to is this podcast coming back. <laughs> Round two. <laughs> But look, this is all about the final episode of We're Not Fucking Historians. And also, how mad that we got a podcast pass with that name. I know. I'm still in shock, honestly. I really can't believe that they let us do it. You were the one who a few weeks ago was like, do you think we should not have fucking in the title? Like, is it a bit much? Is it a bit aggressive? Yeah. <laughs> it was almost like we, you know, we, we, we were so concerned with whether we could, we didn't stop to think whether we should, Shane. And that, yeah. is, that is a direct Jeff Goldblum quote from Jurassic Park. So you're welcome. But you know that. what? Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. I'm going to curse so much on this episode. I'm going to drop the C word every 20 seconds. Even just like while you're talking, I'm just going to say it. Release the unreleased episode. Anyway. (laughs) Release release the Snyder Cut. (laughs) (laughs) This is the last ever episode of We're Not Fucking Historians. Enjoy it. This episode is all about Ernest Shackleton. And a lot of people are like, yes, if you're going to do one last episode, make it about Ernest Shackleton. Am I Ernie right? Shackers, man. Ernie Shackers all the way. Take a guess who that is, Hazel, if you took I've got a fucking clue. I was just trying to be enthusiastic. <laughs> Let me tell you, born 15th of February, 1874 in Kilkay, 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 County Kildare, Kilkay, <laughs> County Kildare. Now, I think I've asked you before, have you been to County Kildare? I've been to Kildare Village for some shopping on my way down to Cork to a gig once. Yeah, and it was yeah. Fabulous. we've all been to I Kildare for some shopping. I've got family in Kildare. So, yes, I have I have been there many times. Well, Ernie Shackleton was an Anglo-Irish Antarctic explorer who attempted oh. to reach the South Pole and got in the one almighty palaver. And that's not the, that's not the place you want to get into a palaver. No, no. You want to get into a palaver. Ideally, you get into a palaver in your own house. Palaver would be a good name for a nightclub. Palaver? Yeah, like you're just saying like you don't want to get into a palaver, but you would want to get into this one. Palaver sounds like somewhere you'd go in like um, Ayanapa. Yes, it does. Yes, okay, it does. Okay, you guess this palaver. Yeah. Yeah. Who would be DJ in there? Oh my God. I don't know any DJs. Ian Van Dahl. Ian Van Dahl. Sure. I think that should be our next venture. Do you think we should start DJing? <laughs> No, set up a club. Oh, okay. Get some DJs in. Well, look, this guy, he was educated in Dulwich College. He entered the Mercantile Marine Service 1890. He becomes a sub-lieutenant in the Royal Naval Reserve in 1901. Look, I could tell you loads more about his background, but really, let me ask you this. <laughs> he takes part in this expedition to reach... The Ross Ice Shelf. I don't know what that is. It's the last episode. It's the last day of term. Let's just have fun. Who's your favourite Ross? Well, I mean, Geller comes to mind, but I don't actually like Ross Geller. Fine by me! I might go Kemp. Kemp, Yeah, I like Ross Kemp. Yeah, he's a good Ross. Bob Ross, the painter guy, the ASMR painter. He paints, but he he talks to soft while he's painting, and it's lovely to hear. Jonathan Ross? Yes, all good Rosses. I love that this is the last day of term episode. That's such a good uh, <laughs> yeah. that's such a good description of it. It's just like, do you know what, guys? This actually I haven't made a class schedule today. We're just I've brought some board games. You're We're in your today's pajamas. episode outside. Today's episode's happening out the fresh air. Um so <laughs> yada yada yada, he joins this guy called Captain Robert Scott's 
National Antarctic Discovery Expedition. Apparently, he's like a big guy, Robert Scott. A big history Robert guy. Robert Scott sounds familiar. I don't know a lot of Antarctic explorers. I'll be honest, Shane. Yeah, so he joins him, but his health suffers and he gets removed from duty and sent home on a supply ship in March 1903. And then okay. you fill in your own gap here because in 1908, he returns to the Antarctic as the leader of the British Nimrod Expedition. Now, I don't know what he does in those five years, but let's just say it's a glow up. Yeah. All yeah. Day, he's jacked, you know what I mean? He's wearing like a he's lot of look vests, muscle fit. <laughs> but just, he's just popping out of everywhere. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't buy any new clothes. He just kept the old ones so that they were like really tight. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So he just shows up like he's launching a new range with Boohoo. And the expedition that they go on, they don't get to reach where they're supposed to go, called the Edward Seventh Peninsula. They end up getting, like, murdered on an island. They, they get within 97 miles of the South Pole. He's, re- he's responsible for the first ascent of Mount Erebus. They return to base in 1909, and they discover that the Nimrod has set sail two days earlier. So oh, Shackleton man. and all his boys set fire to the camp to signal to the ship, uh, which receives a signal and returns to camp. And then he Ooh. he successfully retrieves them. And then when he gets back to England, our boy Ernie gets knighted and gets made commander of the Royal Victorian Order, which would look pretty good on LinkedIn. Yeah, it would. I'm really confused. It sounds like he's just failed a lot. Why is he getting knighted now? Yeah, he gets failed. He gets kicked out of places for bad health. He's not having a good start to life, but... Like they literally missed the boat. They missed the boat. On the way back. Yeah. <laughs> and as an explorer, I would have thought that was pretty fucking important. It's not like you're catching a Ryanair flight from Luton. Like, you do actually need to be there on time when the ship is leaving the Antarctic. Yeah, do you think when it was just about when they did the boarding call, do you think he went, nah, we've plenty of time, we'll go on last? <laughs> Do you think he went to Pret? Yeah. yeah, he might have gone to Pret, just got a little panini or something. 1914, in August, the British Imperial Trans-Antarctic Expedition, which, hey, shorten that. Fucking hell. B-I-T-E, bite. Bite, um, love it. Leaves England under Shackleton's leadership. So he's this Irish guy, he's in the British Navy, he's a big deal, and they planned across the Antarctic... Uh, from a base on the Weddell Sea to a place called McMurdo Sound via the South Pole. But their expedition ship, the Endurance, gets trapped in ice off the coast and drifts for 10 months before being crushed (gasps) in by some pack ice. So, they leave South Georgia for the Antarctic on December 5th, 1914. They're carrying 27 boys, um plus a stowaway as well, who becomes the ship's steward. There's 69 dogs. There's a tomcat called Mrs. Chippy. What do you think of that? Mrs. Chippy's on board. You are prepared for Mrs. Chippy? I honestly wasn't. I have no words for this. I'm just going to... Hold on, hold on, hold on. They left South Georgia with 27 boys... A yep. stowaway who becomes the steward. This is like that fucking Christmas song. Five golden rings, a <laughs> bunch of dogs, and a cat called Mrs. Chippy. 69 dogs and a cat called Mrs. Chippy. That's the title of a film. 
and yeah. I want it made, and it's this film. That okay. is the fucking title. Okay, Andy Circus. Sixty Nine Dogs and Mrs. a Cat Chippy. Called Mrs. Chippy is a brilliant name for a film. What's the name of the episode now? So yes. Yes. The goal of this expedition under Shackleton, who uh, who twice by this point has got within like ninety odd miles of the South Pole, I, he keeps. This is his like God, mission so is to get yeah, there, yeah, yeah. Um, is to reach the South Pole and establish a base on the Antarctica's Weddell Sea coast. From there, a small party, including himself, is going to cross the continent and arrive at the Ross Sea, which is south of New Zealand, where another group's going to wait for them and. Uh, they're going to leave like food and fuel for them along the way. So that that's the plan. That's the plan. But two days after leaving South Georgia, the endurance um, enters what's called pack ice, which I could go. I could explain to you, Hazel. Could you? No. So I won't. But it's a form of ice. Um, it's a barrier of thick sea ice that um, goes all the way around the, the Antarctic continent. Oh, is it a bit like when um, when you leave the freezer open too long? Yes. And then the next time you come back to it, it's just fucking packed. Like, it's just thick with... And that's why they call And then you've got to get the little scraper and, like, go in at it. Yeah, and the thing is, these boys didn't have scrapers. That's where they went wrong. I'm sure they just didn't have scrapers big enough, you know? Yeah, yeah, they needed massive... They should have got rid of some of the 69 dogs they brought, kept Mrs. Chippy, and fired a few scrapers in, but they didn't. So for several weeks, the ship poked and prodded its way through... Cheeky hairdryer would have sorted that out, sorted that right out. Yeah, but then I think they were wearing a lot of beanies and stuff back then. I don't think because it was cold. Yeah, shame. Yeah, but they, they have to divert and go all these different ways round the ice. On January 18th, this gale of wind presses the, the ice against them and land and uh, basically like strands them. So there's no way forward, there's no way back. And the endurance is shipwrecked. And this guy that was on board called Thomas Ordley's he describes it as being frozen like an almond in the middle of a chocolate bar. Gosh, it's not the first analogy that comes to mind, is it? They're fucked, basically. Um, there's nothing else to do. Christ. They're just going to have to hunker down and, and wait out the winter, which, by the way, that would totally break my spirit as soon as someone says, we're just going to wait out the winter. I'd be like, let's not. Apparently Shackleton just, he didn't. this is a direct quote, they said, he didn't rage at all or show outwardly the slightest sign of disappointment, and he never lost his optimism, which, to me, if I was on board, would be annoying. I agree. Oh, guys, it's going to be all good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll be like, shut up, it's not. But in private, he wasn't that optimistic, and he says to this other guy on board called Frank... Frank Worsley, um, who... Frank Worsley (laughs) has a very, like... such disdain. Frank. Just just the fact that he's called Frank Worsley, he sounds like someone who could have been about in like the 80s of this century. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he says that this ship can't live in this. It may be a few months and it may only be a few weeks or days, but listen to this scary sentence I'm going to leave you on before we go into some ads. He oh says, what the ice gets, the ice keeps. <gasps> How frosty is that? Let's go into these ads and then come back. People of the US, great news. The Formula One Circus is coming to Miami this weekend and we've got everything you need to know on P1 with Matt and Tommy, the Formula One podcast from Stack. It doesn't matter if you're an F1 veteran or hardly watch a race. If you want a fun breakdown of the biggest stories from this weekend's race, we've got you covered. 
Join us for previews and reaction episodes from practice, qualifying and the race itself, plus our full Driver Rankings podcast early next week. You'll be armed with enough info to make you look like a bona fide expert when the race rolls back around next year, or at least when you see your friends next week. Search P1 with Matt and Tommy in your podcast app to subscribe and listen now. Welcome back to We're Not Fucking Historians. We're talking about Ernest Shackleton, a.k.a. Ernie, who's an Irish ship captain. He's trapped in the Antarctic. He's fucked it so bad. He just keeps trying to get to the Antarctic. <laughs> they say, try, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, yeah. shame on me. Three times, Ernie, stop going to the South Pole. Yeah, Ernie Shacks. Stop going to the fucking Antarctic, Ernie. It's just, it isn't working. And you know what else I think sometimes doesn't work for people is naming their ships stuff that like can't fail yeah they just seem to always fail like calling a ship the endurance just seems like you're kind of asking for it honestly it's like well then they the universe is going to throw fucking everything at that ship to prove that it will not endure the unsinkable titanic you may exactly you you may as well call the definitely will not sink on the way to the antarctic will come back intact and it's all good it just gets, this ship gets swallowed up by ice and they're stuck and they can't move. The crew salvage as many provisions as they can while, now this is, you know the way in these tales it always gets a bit grim at some point? I was about to say, are they going to eat those dogs? Uh, they No, oh. to answer your question, no. Um, okay, okay. They sacrifice anything that added weight or would consume valuable resources. Um, so they get rid of, <gasps> they get rid of some Bibles, they get rid of some books. Fair. Some Fair. clothing, some keepsakes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, here we go. Some of Oh god, not Mrs. Chip not Mrs. Chippy. Some of the smaller dogs uh are gotten rid of, um and uh, as is the unfortunate Mrs. Chippy. I mean, not fuck's Mrs. sake, how Chippy. heavy is Mrs. Chippy? Just keep She can't be that heavy and she's obviously not eating that fucking much. She she's obviously, a cat. Nah, but it from the she obviously was quite fat. It sounds yeah, like Mrs. Chippy was a problem. The name does imply she was a chunky cat. Okay. She's the only cat on board as well. They call her Mrs. Chippy because breakfast, lunch and dinner, she's having a fish supper. <laughs> I mean, having just said don't get rid of Mrs. Chippy, like, surely throwing her overboard would be a, a less like prudent action than maybe keep, keeping her and fattening her up. Well, you know what I like to think happened? I like to think they put her on a little bit of ice. They like pushed her into the water and she just sailed on to Iceland where she was taken in by a family of Inuits, right. if you can You know say. they're in the Antarctic. Yeah, well, it was one hell of a bit of ice. It was okay. it was a real wind that day. Um, the initial plans to march over the ice towards land, but, uh, but they couldn't do that after they managed just seven miles in seven days and it's oh freezing, so God. they couldn't get too far away from the ship. Um, so they just literally have to wait, which is the hardest thing. And uh, on the 7th of April 1916, the peaks of the Clarence and Elephant Islands come into view. So the, the, the what would you say, the mist clears a little bit and they can see some yeah. land. On the 9th of April, the ice cracks. It splits beneath them. They start to be able to move the boat and go ahead. So they're like, happy days, we're, we're rescued. But the open ocean is a nightmare. 
because oh. it's still in the middle of a blizzard type thing. They're getting frozen spray in their face. There's water all over them. The boat's getting battered. And uh, and these boys are just having a bad time. And I don't think they would have had iPads or anything on board. So they're probably just no, they probably wouldn't have bored out of their skull. And they threw all the books overboard as well and, and the dogs. They had nothing to that read. might have kept them company. Fuck, you know. It does occur to me, you know, being an explorer back then probably wasn't that pleasant. No, and I don't think you got well paid for it because no. I'll bring this up because we don't have the time to fit this in but people said he was bad with money and he always had to be chased for debts after all these oh big God. expeditions But because I think he was just obsessed with getting to the South Pole so um, what happens is they keep going there's six days in, in, in the sea they see these islands 30 miles ahead the Clarence and Elephant Islands but they're knackered yeah. the main captain this guy Worsley Frank, our mate Frank Worsley hasn't slept in 80 hours so it's like he's on a bend it's like being on a bender yeah, at yeah, Glastonbury yeah, yeah. or something not that you um, know what that's like they're, they're crippled with seasickness and uh, Frank Worsley says that half of the party at this point were insane weird to call them a party but uh, but they keep they keep going <laughs> they keep going and on the 15th of April they get ashore on Elephant Island now this is where oh the fun my- starts no, please tell me that they just get ashore and there's a nice little pub and they all sit in and they there's a fire and they've some soup and, and they're just fine. The Elephant Island Inn is closed. It's the first time they've been on dry land since leaving South Georgia 497 days ago. Uh, so there's nobody, there's nobody there. They stay on these islands for nine days and Shackleton, Worsley and four others set out on lifeboats to uh, to go and find a whaling station that's eight hundred miles away. I mean, this is a this is a nightmare. Sixteen days. This is an absolute nightmare. What are they eating? They're e- Where are they, they staying on these islands? They eat seal, I think. Um, oh. I know. I, he and didn't I think- deserve that. Heyo, <laughs> baby, <Thank you>. baby. <laughs> Instead of a kiss from a rose, he gets a a bat from an Irishman. Uh, Lovely. For 16 days, they battle through the, the worst conditions possible and uh, it's throwing their little boat all over the place. Uh, but eventually, they make it ashore. They make it ashore and uh, they get to this place, this whaling station. Um, but when they arrive on shore, they've still got to walk. So, like, everywhere is uninhabitable. So they dock their boats where this whaling station is, but they got to spend 36 hours hiking just to get to this station. I mean, there's nothing around. It's a bit like changing a bank. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But there's nobody yeah. around. And you imagine, right, being in this whaling station, if it's your job to work there, the whole point is you don't see anyone ever. I mean, you're literally there just yeah. recording stats about whales. Like being All a, of a lighthouse keeper or something. Exactly. All of a sudden, we knock at the door. Three, three guys show up bearded, wild hair, probably looking like bags of shit, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they just show up nearly two years after uh, after being shipwrecked and they're like, uh, yeah, any chance of helping the lads? <coughs> so, uh, so they go back. There's this, like, it's a nightmare to go back and get the rest of these men who think that they're not going to be rescued because uh, they're there for another five months after Shackleton left to, to go and get help. But he, he does it, he tries three times and eventually he gets a boat from Chile 
on the 30th of August 1916 and it was bloody chilly and he goes oh. and rescues uh, the other man and ev- ev- everyone survives which is uh, which is everyone crazy. everyone survives I doubt that there would have been at least one natural death along the way two years I know I know do you think they like you know prop people up like weekend at Bernie's or like no he's fine <laughs> I think they fudged the numbers on that a bit yeah 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 I think they stuck some glung- sunglasses on a <laughs> Yeah. on a few of them and just walked them off they they survive and I think they're all like insane enough like verified ah, you enough. would be oh you would be. I mean Jesus I got left home for a week there with Covid <laughs> and I nearly went mad like it's two years in the fucking Antarctic you said left alone like you're Kevin McAllister yeah I did. they left me he is all <laughs> apparently the crew were just about to chow down on a lunch of get ready for this see how this Tickles your fancy. Boiled seal's backbone. You fancy a little bit of boiled seal's backbone? Maybe a little bit I of pepper? I mean, look, it? obviously I don't, Shane. But, you know, you trapped me in Antarctica for two fucking years uh, and asked me, do I want that? Yeah, like, yeah, probably. You put me in the yeah. Ivy in London for 10 minutes, I might have that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I just, I think I'd be one of those people who, if, you know, deserted somewhere... It wouldn't be long before I was drinking piss, honestly. Like, yeah. I, you know, I'm not above it. Yeah, I mean, you just said you were left a, a, a alone at home for a week. Probably day <laughs> two you were going for it. Um, but like, I mean, Ernie Shackleton, like, he fucked it. And then in the end, he did get everyone. He did get everyone. I rescued. Also, I'm very impressed with that because, you know, I, I can't help but feel like if I did get away and make it back to land... I'd be reluctant, Shane. I'm just going to be honest here. I'd be reluctant to get back on a fucking boat and go back to that place. Oh, I don't know Uber after that. People. Yeah, I don't know Uber yeah. after that for sure. Uh, <laughs> but it doesn't put him off because he uh, he serves in the British Army during World War One and he attempts. Listen to this. He attempts a fourth Antarctic expedition in 1920. Why? He wants to go round the continent, uh, but unfortunately, he. Um, he dies at, at at forty-seven, just before he no. starts his journey. So he did. He never made it. He never made it. Apparently, oh apparently goodness. his the time and effort he put into raising funds to finance his expedition and the strain of like all that travel and the cold and all that sort of thing wears him out. He loses his strength and uh, he dies of a heart attack Jesus. in South Georgia, where he's buried. It's a lot like this podcast, really. Yeah, we had the goal of circumnavigating the world. Yeah, he went in strong. He went in hopeful. He tried and tried and tried. He really he really tried his best. You know, he really did. Just, you know, it wasn't to be in the end. But we're being pushed out to sea. <laughs> I think we're like Mrs. Chippy. You know, I think we just get put on a little bit of ice and pushed out into the, the ocean and who knows where we're going just to end up. Just drift off yeah. into the west. But yeah, look, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's, the, there's a Hollywood end in here. We love that. Do it. Let's let's do it. We we every episode we've done, we've always seen it as a film, and uh, here's the big ending. So, the endurance was just left behind, just left oh. in the ocean, left in the Antarctic uh, to just kind of sit and rot. But this year, Hazel, this year, no. this year, scientists found it a hundred and seven years after it sank. The ghostly endurance discovered in Antarctica's frigid waters nearly two miles deep. When you saw the name endurance, 
What went through your heart? Oh, it was a jaw-dropping moment. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up. Uh, I was stunned. The ship crushed by sea ice and sunk in 1915. It is a symbol of Sir Ernest Shackleton's legendary leadership. All 28 men on board survived, camping on ice floes for five months, then escaping in small boats. Ernest Shackleton is a hero. He rescued his men from almost certain death. He survived against all the odds, and he did so with compassion, leadership, bravery. That happened this year. The endurance, the lost vessel of Antarctic explorer and one of our own, Sir Ernest Shackleton, was found at the bottom of the Weddell Sea. It had been sitting three kilometres below sea level for over a century. And, listen to this, apparently it looks exactly like it did the day it went down. Well, it was fucking frozen, wasn't it? Because it's so cold, I think. Uh, yeah, all the it would still have been together. in great condition. And and apparently the the wow. word endurance is still visible on the stern, <gasps> and that's exactly what this podcast is. It may be that's going exactly down. what this is, Shane. It, it may be going down, but it will be preserved through history, <laughs> and we will look at it and go, these people tried, these people had a mission, <laughs> and they set sail, and they tried. And it can be, it can still be appreciated. We can dive down and take pictures of it still. And some say, Shane, that the ghost of of Ernie Shacks still walks the boards today. Yeah. Just like our ghosts will be in, you know, like podcast listings on various um, podcast apps. Yeah, we're, we're we're the Ernie Shackleton <laughs> of podcasts. We really are. We try. We, we really keep are. trying, and eventually, keep fucking trying, man. We end up at the bottom of the ocean, but we're. Preserved. I love how I love how this is a story about a man who, like, just went through hell yep. and then chose to go through hell again and again and again to reach his fucking goal, and and we're just going nah, sod it. This, do, do you know what? Doing a podcast and living life too hard. <laughs> It's like the woman who was on the Titanic survived, then a couple of years later was on a boat that sank. You know, it's like, just stop being on boats. Just stop, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, someone said to BBC News, one of the po- one of the explorers who, who found the, the ship said, it's upright, it's well proud of the seabed, it's intact, and it's in a brilliant state of preservation. Bit like yourself. Bit like myself. That's a great story. I had not heard of Ernie or his various voyages and expeditions, but what a lovely, what a lovely story to end it on. I was so engrossed. I genuinely was aware sometimes people can't see my face. So they weren't seeing any of my reactions. They were just getting dead silence from my end of yeah. the mic. Um, no, it's a good one. Thank you for that, Shane. Shall we, um, shall we round her off with a few... A few cheeky emails. Our last emails. Let's do that. Uh, We have... Thank you very much to everyone who um, has sent an email in so far um, and gave us some correspondence. We we love these emails. This is from Ben, who says... uh, Could be short for Benjamin. Could just be a straight-up Ben. He says, Love the Thomas Blood episode, but wanted to throw Mm -hmm. in the story of the Irish Crown Jewels, which still haven't been found after being successfully stolen from Dublin Castle in 1907. This is true. This is true. We we didn't get around to it on the pod, but this is very much true. Apparently this happened in 1903. Uh, A safe room had been installed in the castle, 
It was only after it was built that it was discovered the safe which held the jewels was too large to fit into the doorway. Because of this, the safe had to remain outside the strong room in the library. I mean, very Irish. Very Irish thing to do. To build a safe that won't fit in the room. There were only two keys to the safe, both kept by the Ulster King of Arms, Sir Arthur Vickers. I mean, I've been working out in the last few weeks, so I'm the new Ulster King of Arms. He was responsible for protecting the jewels. He carried one of the keys while the other was kept in a locked drawer in a desk at home. I mean, you're asking for trouble That's not good enough. That's not good enough, Arthur. No. Uh, apparently one night after drinking he handed his keys over to some mates and the next morning he woke up draped in the crown jewels oh, I mean he's put them on himself it's good crack though isn't it it'd be good for the gram yeah on the morning of July 6th 1907 a cleaning woman assigned to Bedford Tower found the door to the safe room standing wide open it wasn't until later that afternoon when Vickers sent a message to the library to deposit the collar of a deceased knight in the safe that it was discovered the safe had been emptied and the Irish crown jewels were gone they still don't know who did it but security at Westfield's Foot Locker aka Shoebox must be better than this nice. <laughs> lovely callback Ben love what you've done there and you've given us a great story too love it alrighty uh, we've had lots of people getting in touch to confirm that they are in fact in the Trekkie slash we're not fucking historians diagram after my little <laughs> Tasha Yaris shout out uh, this one's from Christine uh, after oh this is interesting after Shane wondered whether all politicians had fat heads <laughs> I thought I'd do a bit of research into the width of various populist leaders uh, bonses <laughs> although in keeping with the show I can't say it's particularly precise or scientific in any Don't way worry about that. the average adult head circumference <laughs> is 55 centimeters in females and 57 in males Kim Jong-un Boris Johnson and Richard Nixon are almost certainly far above average uh, but I can be a bit more precise with your best pal, Shane, Donald Trump. Having visited Madame Tussauds recently in a moment of madness, I took a rough measurement of some of the waxwork Donald's dimensions and the width of his face was almost clocking in at a hand and a bit. And I'm talking my hands, not his weirdly small hands. I would guess he's at least 60 plus all the way around. Nigel Farage has got a really weird narrow head though, so the theory falls apart there. Keep up the good work. That's true. <laughs> I mean, if we can leave a lasting legacy, it's it's start it's being the originators of the popular theory that all politicians yeah. have fat heads. I hope I hope that's our legacy, and I hope it lasts. That's our gift to the world. Yeah, look, it's been a time. Thank you so much for having the idea and asking me to be involved with it. I have loved every single recording. You make me absolutely howl with laughter every time, and I always come away in a better mood than I went in. And um, thanks to everybody for listening and for all the like the comments and stuff like we don't always talk about it here, but we get so many comments on our Instagram and Twitter and stuff from people who are really enjoying it. And I do know there's going to be people because I get I get quite attached to podcasts. I'm sure there'll be a couple of people who are like, oh, I was mm-hmm. listening to that. <laughs> well, so, you can look. Apologies. Here's the thing. Our email is still there. Hello at nothistorians.com. So anything you send to that, we will still see this is true you know? this is true but yeah i've 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 had so much so much fun doing this hazel you're great i think we'll still we'll still see each other oh no we'll, no 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 we're not going to be friends we're not going to be friends after this babe what? purely a business oh, arrangement no. yeah no oh, sorry about Christ. that sorry about that oh okay i'll come to one of your live shows if you pay me yeah that's um, imagine i'm like you're like i'm like we still need to do things and you go like what do you want to do and i just send you listings to all my live shows <laughs> 
<laughs> I want you to buy tickets. Here's all the cities to... <laughs> I'm going to be in. No, 100% I'm going to come and support and, and see you and hang out. And I also want to visit this beautiful new house you've been building for forever. Yes, I, I want to give uh, a massive thanks to Finn as well, who's yes. produced this podcast since day one. Um, he, 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 do you know what he's like? He's like an old man who likes woodwork. He, you know, he's like, he's taken a load of, and I've always thought this, he's taken a load of scraps of wood, which is, let's face it, is what we are. And he's gone into his wee shed at the bottom (laughs) of the garden. And over time, he's made a nice wheelbarrow, which I think we can agree is what this podcast (laughs) is. It doesn't, the the wheel doesn't always work. But it wonky looks wheel. great. Bit of a wonky and he wheel. Has it, yeah. He has it painted all nice. But, uh, I guess the job but yeah, done. Finn and everyone at Stack have been, ha, yes, have been brilliant you. and done so much great work on this. So thanks to, thanks to them all. Thanks to everyone who's listened to an episode. You can go back, you know. Oh, sure. Look, they're there. Just just, just listen over and over and over and over again. The endur- we're like the endurance. We're always still at the bottom of the podcast ocean. <laughs> so you can go back and dig us up. If you Find want. us there. <laughs> Also, we've completed Irish history too. Do you know what, Shane? I think the other thing to say is that like, we really have covered all of Irish history. There definitely isn't anything else to say. Uh, no. You know, like the, I don't really think the famine or the troubles or the rising needed mentioning. You know, everyone knows about those. And uh, that, that's kind of it. That's kind of it now. Yeah, we, we've, we've conquered all that needed to be conquered. <laughs> Yes, I'm. I'm going to throw over to you for you. You do the last sign off. I'll, oh. I'll do the and remember, and then you you get to swear for the last time. Oh, thank you so much. You're a man after my own heart, Shane. Alrighty, well look, it's been a fucking pleasure. Thank you so much. These are a lovely pack of cons all together. Had to get the had to get the word in. And until 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 yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Until next time. There you oh. go. I'm going to say until next time. Remember, we're not fucking historians. We're Not Fucking Historians is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. People of the US, great news. The Formula One Circus is coming to Miami this weekend and we've got everything you need to know on P1 with Matt and Tommy, the Formula One podcast from Stack. It doesn't matter if you're an F1 veteran or hardly watch a race. If you want a fun breakdown of the biggest stories from this weekend's race, we've got you covered. Join us for previews and reaction episodes from practice, qualifying and the race itself, plus our full driver rankings podcast early next week. You'll be armed with enough info to make you look like a bona fide expert when the race rolls back around next year, or at least when you see your friends next week. Search P1 with Matt and Tommy in your podcast app to subscribe and listen now.